Have you ever wondered where you really stand with God? Are you overcome with feelings of guilt because of things you've done wrong? Are you tired of religion that focuses on rules that you can't keep? Have we got good news for you? It's time to listen in on some casual conversation with Mike Kapler and Joel Brzezinski and discover what true freedom is all about. This is Growing in Grace. Howdy, everybody. Welcome. It's Growing in Grace, and we've got some awesome stuff to talk about. I mean, and this is the type of stuff, Cap, that I think we're going to be persecuted for. This is dangerous <laughs> stuff that we're going to be talking about. And that's because we're going to be talking about persecution. <laughs> persecution. We'll probably get persecuted for it. That's right. But but who is it that's going to persecute us, though? That's the thing. You know, the thing about persecution is when people are persecuted, it's obviously people who think something different. They believe something different. And so they persecute somebody who is preaching something different than what they believe or teaching something different or has a different opinion, has a different mindset. And so as we jump into this, I mean, we'll keep that in mind that that's what persecution is. And uh, maybe we'll explore what the church today thinks persecution is versus what it might have been in the early church. Well, you had made the, the statement here a few minutes ago while we were getting ready to go on and clearing our throats and testing our microphones <laughs> and all of that. You mentioned how you know a lot of people just think that persecution, like what they suffered in the early church in the book of Acts, uh, the Bible says that there was a, a great persecution that arose against the church. And you made the comment, something to the effect that they, they were persecuted because uh, those people in the early church, the apostles and others, were preaching the gospel. Of course, I pointed out to you, because we've grown so far in this grace, you and I, I pointed out to you that that's what a lot of people think the gospel is. Let me, let me go back up here for a second. You said that they were preaching the gospel and not just trying to do good. But a lot of people think that preaching the gospel is when somebody is trying to teach people how to do good. And there's a difference between what the gospel is and just teaching people to do good, because you see a lot of religions do that. A lot of religions are trying to teach people a, a moral lifestyle uh, and stay away from the bad stuff and, and you know live a holy life of some type. And that's not what the gospel is. So these people were being persecuted for preaching a, a gospel of grace, freedom, liberty, and all of that apart from the law of Moses. That's right, yeah, and um, if you think about, you know, the Apostle Paul, he, of course, when he was known as Saul, the Pharisee of Pharisees, he himself was persecuting the church, and it wasn't because they were doing good, you know, it wasn't because they were being these goody-two-shoes type of people, uh, because that's what he considered himself. He considered himself being very good. He would later write in uh, in the book of Philippians, this is what Paul thought of himself before coming to Jesus. A lot of people today, before I came to Jesus, I drank, I smoked, I swore, I, I did all these evil things. I was a sinner. Well, here's Paul before before coming to Christ. This is what Paul said about himself. And it's uh, found in Philippians 3, and it's uh, it's such a difference from what we find in the church today. Here's where he, what he would have said about himself. He says, If anyone thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. 
So Paul, before coming to Christ, he considered himself to be a very good keeper of the law. He was a good guy as far as the law was concerned. He considered all of that to be his past before he came to Christ. And he said that in order to come to Christ, here's what he says, but what things were gained to me, which is all of that stuff that I just mentioned, including his righteous, his blameless righteousness, all of that he had, he had to count loss for Christ, and he had to count it rubbish. You know, some versions say dung. And so what Paul did in order to come to Christ, what he was persecuting the church for was because they had done that. They had counted their law-keeping as dung, their Jewish history as dung, their heritage, in order that they could have Christ. He had been persecuting the church. Now he found himself in Christ, having given up all of that stuff, and he found himself among those being persecuted. So again, the bottom line there, it wasn't because he had changed from being a bad person to being this excellent, moral, this awesomely moral person. It was because he had turned away from that as his source, and he had turned instead to Christ. Yeah, isn't that interesting? I mean, that's just uh, almost backwards. <laughs> it is. Real, real, real close <laughs> to the opposite of what we're going on, of what we got going on today in regards to testimonies. You know, and so I've, I've even heard people get up in front of church to give their testimony. Completely different than what you were just talking about, because it is, it is like you said, they're, they're talking about what they used to do that was bad, and how they don't do that anymore, and now they, they do all this stuff over here that may or may not be good. I don't know. It depends on what they're talking about, you know, because they go to church every Sunday now. So now they're, you know, that's a great testimony. That's, that's part of their testimony. I've, I've even heard people talk about how God blessed them with financial resources because they gave 10% of their income to the church. And uh, so you get these things, they, these testimonies that, that aren't even really based on the gospel. And I know these are well-meaning people. We're not trying to be critical or, or make fun of people, we understand that they don't necessarily have the knowledge of what the gospel really is and, and, and how it has literally changed who we are as human beings. We've, we've become like God. We've inherited so many great things, uh, you know, his righteousness, his, his holiness, and, and all of these things. So it's not about how bad you were and how good you are now, because... And, what happens then is you, you realize you're, you're not as good as what you thought you were, and then you fall into a lot of guilt and condemnation, and, and the focus becomes on us again instead of where it should have been all along, on the finished work of Jesus Christ and, and, the, and the person of Jesus Christ. You know, Joel, I was looking in Galatians chapter 5, which you and I have covered quite a bit of, and we're very familiar, a lot of us grace people, familiar with the first part of Galatians chapter 5. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. Don't be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. And it goes on. A few verses down from there, I have confidence in you, Paul says to the Galatians. I have confidence in you, in the Lord, that you will have no other mind. But he who troubles you shall bear his judgment, whoever he is. I, brethren, if I still preach circumcision, why do I still suffer persecution? Then the offense of the cross has ceased. I could wish that those who trouble you would even cut themselves off. And so it goes, goes on to talk about liberty here. Don't use your liberty for an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. But he, he's talking about persecution here. And he, he made the point that he wasn't suffering persecution because he was teaching people the Ten Commandments or any part of the law. 
Uh, it was because he was telling people they no longer had to depend on those things that he was being persecuted for. Yeah, that's the thing. The offense of the cross, what I was taught, the offense of the cross is that now we're Christians, and, and so we're doing good. Like, like I was saying before, we've changed from evil, evil sinners, from drinking and smoking and cursing and all these fornicating and other things. We've changed from doing all that, and now we're doing good. Now we're doing godly things. And I want to say something about that. It's not that that's wrong. We're not putting down you know, good things. <laughs> it's, it's not that it's bad that uh, many things in our lives have changed as a result of Christ's coming and living with us. We're not saying that at all. We're just saying that that's not what the offense of the cross is. That's not what the early church was persecuted for. A lot of people think that the offense of the cross is that we're living these great moral lives, and these ungodly people in the world can't stand that, and so uh, they're offended, and they persecute us. That might be legitimate persecution, but that's not what the offense of the cross was about. Like you were saying, Cap, it had to do with the fact that what Paul said was that he had to die to the law in order to know Christ. He had to die to his own righteousness in order to come to Christ. That's the offense of the cross. You know, the, the offense of the cross is the fact that we no longer trust in our flesh. We no longer trust in any good that we can do. The circumcision, Paul's example there, if I still preach that, why do I still suffer persecution? Well, he wasn't preaching that anymore, because that wasn't the point of the cross. Circumcision was a work of the flesh, and all the good that we can muster in our lives, those are works of the flesh. We have to give up our own attempts at trying to be good in order to come to Christ. Uh, so that's the offense of the cross. Yeah, I mean, uh, the written code, the moral code, in one place Paul called it the handwriting of requirements, and guess what he said about them? Referring to what? The handwriting of requirements. So what do you think he was talking about? You know, we've, we've talked about uh, the, the Ten Commandments and, and how God, you know, right there in front of Moses on Mount Sinai, just literally wrote them on tablets of stone with his hand. And Paul said that that was the ministry of death and that those handwritings, those uh, the handwriting of requirements were against us. They were contrary to us. Jesus wiped them out. He took them out of the way. They've been nailed to the cross, gone forever, replaced with something new, better, and everlasting. So imagine that. After everything you were taught in Sunday school, imagine this thing called the Ten Commandments, the handwriting of requirements. It was against us all along. So God never really had the intention of giving those things for people to try to abide by and try to, to live a lifestyle through some moral code that we could never live up to. I like what you said, Joel. Some people assume that we start talking grace and start saying some things, and because they've, they've been so entrenched in legalism all of their life, at least some form of it, uh, they just automatically think we're shrugging and winking that uh, it's okay to do uh, whatever sin you want to. It's all right. God's going to forgive you anyway. We're not going down that road. We're just trying to let you know what the foundation of the gospel is, and it's his life in us. The spotlight should never be on you and me and our attempt to uh, live the right kind of lifestyle, because that usually will lead people to also looking at the sin in their life, sin that's been removed and taken away by the blood of Jesus. So we get our eyes on the wrong things. That's right, and I've recently seen something going around on Facebook. It's pretty cool. Just uh, 
I can't quote it exactly, but the point of it is that instead of trying to focus on indwelling sin, let's focus on the indwelling Son. You know, that's what life in Christ is about. Paul had to give up, and the early church, they had to give up this obsession with the law, and that's what they were persecuted for, because they had given up. I mean, if you can picture the early church having been, the Jews especially, having been under the law all their lives, and then all of a sudden finding that they have to die to that in order to come to Christ, and then going out and preaching that, that didn't sit well with a lot of people, and so that's what they are persecuted for, and that's what, if you're going to preach the gospel, the pure gospel, that's what the gospel is, teaching that it's all about Jesus Christ and not about not about our good works. And uh, that's the type of things uh, that, if we're going to be persecuted, that would be worthy, I think, of being persecuted for. Well, coming up next week, I don't know if you've ever noticed when uh, reading uh, about the life of Jesus that sometimes he would respond uh, to different people in different ways to the Pharisees and self-righteous types of people. He'd be sometimes a little harsh, it would seem. And, but when it came to sinners and to the lowlifes, <laughs> he sat down with them, embraced them, ate with them. And that kind of ticked off those religious people sometimes. Well, that's what we've got in mind to talk about next week right here on Growing in Grace. So stay uh, close for that. Again, next week right here on Growing in Grace at growingingrace.org. This has been Growing in Grace with Mike Kapler and Joel Brzezinski. Heard online through various internet sources around the world each week. To access hundreds of past programs, visit graceroots.org. Share it with a friend and listen again next week for more Growing in Grace.